Good morning. It is Monday, May 10th, 2021. Welcome to DC Signal to Noise. I'm AgriTalk host Chip Flory, and that guy right there is Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, happy Monday morning, buddy. Good Monday morning. And my next door neighbor across the street had their house up for sale, sold in two days over the asking price. They even had to cancel the open house. It sold so fast. Good girl. It's red hot out there. It's like the Cubs winning five out of the last six being red hot. Red hot. They got back to 500. How's the Nats doing there? Uh, Me. I think our manager made a couple mistakes. Even though he won a World Series, I'm just not up on him. We should have won all three against the Yankees. So we just need more power. They should have kept Rendon and they should have gotten rid of our pitcher. Dude, when your power source is Schwarber, oh, I'm I'm sorry. When he hits him, he hits him big. He, he's that. consistent in clutch. He's clutch hitter. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I like him. I like oh, him. So do Cubs fans. Yeah. So do Cubs fans. Absolutely. All right, man, let's get into this. Sure. Uh, for, let's see. It was Friday about 11 o'clock. I could look it up on my phone to, to make exactly sure, but you sent me a message. Friday at 11 o'clock, the Colonial Pipeline was getting shut down by some sort of a cyber attack. Yes, and we and were we 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 in Pro Farmer. I I emailed that to Brian. I alerted Brian Grady, but we had legitimately Brian has a two source rule. He didn't want to put it in Pro Farmer until the wire services confirmed it, and they didn't confirm it until Saturday. Reuters, Bloomberg, and even the Wall Street Journal. What is this news operations coming to? And where I got the tip from from an oil industry trader. So yeah. once again, traders are in the loop, Chip. Yep. I tell you what, as soon as we as soon as we got that word for AgriTalk, we got Phil Flynn booked for tomorrow. Good. Okay, so we'll have Finn, Phil, Phil Flynn on from the Price Futures Group to talk about what's going on with the energy markets. And, and uh, Jordan Fife from BioUrge is going to be on to talk about what it might mean for ethanol as well. It's a 5,500-mile conduit, and 45% of the fuel consumed in the East Coast goes there. That's about 2.5 million barrels a day to the East Coast chip. So it it is a biggie, but it also has policy implications because, once again, this is a cyber attack. It looks like, conjecture, it's from those dastardly Russians, and this will play into the infrastructure debate because the Biden $2.25 trillion proposal doesn't say too much about cyber you know, warfare. I think this is going to open up that debate, Chip. Well, I just wonder if if there is going to be a Russian pipeline shut down or a subway system shut down or something, because we've got, we've the U.S. has got similar tactics at play in Russia. Yeah, it's time to take the gloves off. We, we're, we have to hit them and hit them hard. I'm sorry. Uh, and this is a fault also of former President Trump. He didn't put the focus on cyber warf- wealth, warfare than I think many people thought he should have. Yeah. Okay. How does this end up? We go another day or two and those gas prices out on the East Coast are going to go through the roof. 
Yeah, and then maybe we'll get the Fed's attention on gasoline prices. You're going to shoot right. above three dollars initially. Usually, these things have a two to three day time frame. Uh, you know, time frame, Chip. So if it goes much more than two days now into uh, midweek, then you got to sit up and take notice. The White House has uh, pulled together an interagency task force over the uh, you know weekend to tackle the problem, and they're going to issue an executive order. The Department of Transportation is allowing more roads to carry the oil. Etc. So they are doing some things to temper the impacts. Okay. Another area in which you're showing some higher prices is is food. The Today Show did a feature from a grocery store this morning, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it. When I go to a grocery store out here, I, when I look and a little I get and it's 80 or $80 to $100, I go, whoa, what's going on here? And this yeah. is not liquor, by the way. This is food. Food. <laughs> you take a look at what's happened into the grain markets and, and what's happened across all of the commodity world, Jim. And it's got to play out someplace and it plays out in the grocery store. Just let's connect the dots here. We have gasoline futures on the rise, real gasoline prices over $3 now. You've got commodity prices. I don't have to tell listeners that. Corn, soybeans, uh, wheat, hogs, etc. Then you have the new Bitcoin is metal prices. Iron ore prices have surged more than 10% just in Asian trading. And then we have copper prices just making new highs about every other day, Chip. So uh, this is just not a one-off here. This is starting to add up. And even though Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, former Fed chairperson, said Friday after the jobs report, the the additional jobless benefits did not have a major impact on the much lower jobs number we saw Friday. She also continued to say inflation was transitory, echoing what the Fed chairman is saying. That's what she said on the second take. Yeah, on the first take, it was, hey, look out. You got the Fed might have to do something to slow this thing down. Yeah. The the veterans that I trust in the in the financial markets are saying we will very likely get an increase in the rates sometime next year when the Fed is saying not until 2023 if then, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. You had a comment in your early morning update talking about these commodities and the industrial metals and everything that surprised there's 183 pounds of copper in a battery for an EV. It's a lot of copper, dude. <laughs> That's why copper is going to continue to trend firm because it's not going to happen overnight. I heard an a, in fact, I got his book. It's called Unsettled Question Mark, a energy expert that I heard uh, on Fox News over the weekend. So I bought his, his, his book and he's saying electric vehicles are going to uh, increase over the years, but it's going to take 30 years or longer to reach really the critical mass because the cars on the road right now, as we know, Chip, they're going to last at least 15 years. So uh, yeah. th this is going to be a big transition, let alone the electrical grid, which ties us back to another linkage. We have to get our electrical grid ready for the coming pretty big increases in electric uh, you know, vehicles because it's not ready by right. far. It's not ready. Absolutely. It's not. Rebar prices hit a record level in China overnight. The, it's not just happening here. It, it's happening around the world. Maybe a little cooler on the economic strength in Europe than, than China or here, but 
But nonetheless, we are seeing some improvement, aren't we? Yeah, but you go to a automobile dealership and they're seeking your older cars because of the chip shortage. So this stuff's adding up, Chip. You can't cite this and this and not say that we're going to trend higher uh, uh, more than I think the Fed expects because you look at every major industry and we talked about the housing market, the lumber fuels, uh, Just it's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it, it certainly is. And this run that we've seen in the corn market, it's been one of the most dynamic markets <clears throat> that I can recall. A lot of it has to do with that smaller Brazilian corn crop estimate. Absolutely. And AgRural came out today with a almost 8 million ton drop in the Brazilian corn crop to what? 95.5 million tons. I'm only going on memory here. USDA is hanging out there at 109 you know, million tons. So they come out with their WASDE update Wednesday. Now it's going to be very interesting, Chip, to see if a new type of USDA, Seth Meyer is, is the top economist now. Farmer Fapri, very good guy. We're going to see if he can get USDA off their duff and be a little more forward thinking. But if they only drop the Brazilian corn crop 3 million tons, it's just same old chip. Uh, yeah. you know, so I'm going to look at that. China, their China corn import estimates from all origins. But we're going to get we're going to take a look at the 21 to, uh, 22 estimates for China. Recall about, what, a couple of weeks ago now, the ag counselor in Beijing dropped it to, for 21, 22, to 15 million tons versus the, his number of 28 million tons for the uh, 2021. So it's going to be curious, some of these other numbers, let alone the new, the first estimate of winter wheat here in the right. U.S. and, of course, the balance sheets for 21, 22, looking at carryover, et cetera. So we're going to get some forecast and numbers for the crops too. Yeah. So speaking of hot economy, speaking of a smaller than uh, needed corn crop out of Brazil, last week China comes in, buys 1.36 million metric tons of new crop corn, bought another million ton plus this morning. They're rolling some of their old crop purchases to the new crop. I, I think a lot of that was expected. But to see China react and take action as early in the process on the new crop as they are, there's a problem. There's a problem, and that should be literally forcing other corn importing countries, Japan, uh, Mexico, other countries to jump in here too, because you put your pencil on a piece of paper. If this carryover goes much lower, and plus you're going to have such a demand in the fall of moving in this country, the fobbing capacity here is really going to be a tight chip. And so, I, again, just the numbers, I, I said in a speech last week, like, you know, when a policy outlook talks, you know, when a policy person talks outlook, look out. However, I was pretty cocky. I told them that you're going to go continue to go higher on corn and soybean prices because we've done the math. It's going to trend higher. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on those new crop. When you look at those, I don't think there's any question. Okay. Yes. Give us an update on Liz Cheney. What is happening? 
She's going to be dethroned. I don't know they're, they're, when, when the minority leader comes out and says he doesn't want you, he's got the votes, okay? Now, I don't know whether it'll come this Wednesday when the Republicans meet or they'll set that up for another date. But this shows you, Chip, the internal conflict uh, within the Republican Party. That uh, I understand where McCarthy, the minority leader, is going. He wants to talk ahead where Cheney, conservative, actually uh, more conservative than many other members, yeah. uh, but she keeps talking, bringing up in a very negative way, former President Trump, and it's losing their focus. So they're going to take the plunge, but this is not good for inter-party politics. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, there, there is there, the level of disagreement between the Republican Party right now is about as as high as, I don't know if it's as high as I've ever seen it, but it's high enough that there's going to be shakeups. Well, it's the future. Which way do they want to go? Do they want to go more conservative or do they want to go the more populist uh, trend that Trump brought into the party? And it's a fair debate. It's a fair debate. But the Democrats are also uh, showing some conflict because you've got Bernie Sanders, the socialist, from Vermont is starting to question why Biden continues to try to seek a compromise with the Republicans on infrastructure because he doesn't want to go back to the Obama days where they waited and waited for the Republicans. So that's going to be something to watch out as as well, Chip. Okay. What are your sources telling you? And, and yeah, McCarthy came out and said that he's going to support Stefanik, right? Yeah, yes, yes. He actually left the in, a, in an off mic comment last week, and Axios picked that up when he was talking to Fox News. So he just confirmed what was unofficial last week. So again, very unusual circumstances in the Sunday network news shows. He didn't mention Cheney by name, but we all knew who it was. I think she's a goner from the leadership perspective. Okay. We've got both the Senate and the House in session this week, so that, I would assume, will mean that there will be some progress on the massive $4 trillion Biden plan, whether you call it jobs bill or infrastructure or whatever you want to call it. You're going to have a lot of discussions at the Biden level at the White House. He's meeting first initially today with some Democrats, and then later in the week, he's going to, and then he's going to meet with congressional leaders from both parties, which he should. And then Wednesday, he's going to meet with a group of Republicans on infrastructure. So uh, the, the net has been cast, Chip, and we're going to see whether or not there's consensus enough that B- Biden and the Democrats won't have to go it alone. We'll see. Okay. It, it's interesting to hear Mitchell's comments about it, if they can't drum up enough support for the $4 trillion package in, in total. And I don't think they're going to be able to, Jim, are they? Because this is where some of the Democrat Democrats in the House are shying away from that big price tag, right? Some Democrats, but you heard what I said before, Bernie Sanders and others are pulling him back to, we want to go big. We want to go with your $2.25 trillion package. We want to have it pure infrastructure and we want to have it social infrastructure. And that's where the Republicans are aghast at. They don't, they want to go more the traditional approach for 
infrastructure. Now, to be fair, the Democrats are saying a lot of the around $600 billion Republican package is already in appropriations bills. So the differences between the two bills are not as wide as you might think relative to the Republicans have a, a lot more you know, billions of dollars in what we consider true infrastructure as opposed to go on the social side. Okay. Amplify a couple of the signals that you're getting from the bill here, Jim, or the conversation that you think are going to make the final cut. And it's the final cut has got to be the traditional stuff. I'm going to look for the signal whether or not Biden goes a two-step approach. If he sees enough consensus to have step one being a more traditional infrastructure route, why not take the bird in the hand? Now, that's more the traditional approach, Chip. We're going to see if he can move back that way. We don't know for sure yet. So I think this week is going to be very telling on the signals, whether or not there's follow through on the compromise side. But there was a little signal over the weekend that I saw, and some commentators also pointed it out, in which Obama, Biden came to the uh, microphones and didn't have a mask on. And then he said, oh, I'm going to get in trouble from whom? Yeah, no kidding. That was a signal to some of us like, (laughs) oh, wait a minute. Who's calling the shots here? It may have been an incident, but I'm sorry. Those things uh, get high focused here in Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Explain to me a little more of what this social infrastructure is. I does this include all the 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 college? Yes, the free education. Yeah, child care. They want to socialize child care. They're bringing in entitlements. It, it is a major fundamental shift. I'm not saying it, it's not the way to go. To me, being more you know conservative, but they literally want to change the dynamics of this country where where pre-K schooling and free schooling up to uh, what what two years of college and it's a fundamental shift. And, and so this is a big step in their road to take the country further left. There's no okay. doubt about it. Okay, what's the timeline? How's this going to play out? I just don't see, they can do a lot from a budget reconciliation perspective. So I'm going to have to see whether or not they go that next step. Is he willing to really have a bloodbath in the 2022 elections? Uh, Some people say they are. They're going for the fundamental shift, Chip. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Other hearings coming up this week. Isn't there something at USDA regarding CRP? CRP, oh, there's more of an internal thing to look at that. But but I want to point out the two hearings this week in both the Senate first and then the House where uh, U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai is going to be the testify on Biden's near-term trade policy. We're going to look very carefully at what she has to say and what she doesn't say. So I think that'll be the next step in trying to dissect the Biden trade policy. It's usually what we know now is they're reviewing it. They're post postponing some key decisions. I don't blame them on that. He, he, they're focusing on domestic politics, domestic programs, and what it's going to take to get the revenue, and that's tax policy. And you can't handle trade policy at the same time, but China and other countries are closely uh, watching if Biden's going to change the overall philosophy. But I will tell you, relative to China, 
there is a consensus in this town between the political parties to take on China. And that's what China is watching very closely, Chip. Okay. All right. Very good. We're getting into the last few minutes. Don't forget, if you've got a question or a comment for us, look over on the right side of the screen, that comments bar, get in there and and let us know what your questions are. Gary jumped in right away when we were talking with about the colonial pipeline at the start of the show, Jim. He said, didn't Putin say the next war will be fought with ones and zeros? In other words, binary code? Absolutely. Absolutely. You talk about a signal. And that's where this country, from what we know officially, has fallen down. This thing's going to get serious because we uh, just think of how you could shut down this country and not just in the energy energy sector, but in the financial sector, in, in the trading on that chip. So yeah, this is serious stuff. You bet. Let's move all of our financing over to cryptocurrency and then shut it down. (laughs) I did want to comment. I got an email from an AgriTalk viewer a few weeks ago. He said we had a Tammy Baldwin, I think you had on the show. She was talking about that new legislation for PPP funding to reach out to farmers uh, that had received very little based off of 2019 net income that were previously forgiven on the loan and could not reapply under the new gross income change. She was trying to reverse that rule bald one so that they can now base it off gross income. Any updates? When I checked early this morning, Baldwin continues to work on that along with Senator John Thune, Republican from South Dakota. Don't give up. It's still in the making. Okay. Very good. You said that there was two hearings that are coming up this week. Is the other one the Senate Energy and Natural Resource Committee? No, Senate Finance Committee and House Ways and Means Committee. There's your trade policy setting committees who are very important. So you got to sit up and take notice when the USCR is in front of those panels. And you also, they usually submit a series of questions because they can't get to all of them. That's going to be important to to, uh, eventually find out. You don't get them right away. But that's where a lot of good reporters wait to see when they release those responses from Ty to a series of questions. And that's almost like a book in itself, Chip. So I, I think we're finally going to get some more information relative to trade policy. Okay. Interesting. What else, Jim? What else do you see in the week ahead that we really need to pay attention to? It's USDA. Wait, let me ask the let me yeah. ask it a different way. Let me ask it like it's Friday morning and I'm wrapping up page one of the Pro Farmer newsletter a few years ago, and I'd say, Come on, man, give me something juicy. This, this cyber attack is big news, Chip. I would say you have to continue to follow. You just gotta follow that. You you really do. And the Brazilian corn crop from a market perspective, they're losing two million tons every few days now. That's how significant. It is. And that's why this crop can go down very far, very fast. And if you dip to the low 90s to, God forbid, under 90, you're going to have a lot of market and trade policy implications. You yeah, and would. The corn market is under some pressure this morning. I think that's because of some of the rains that we had in the U.S. over the weekend. But we're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with that Brazilian crop, exactly what the reaction is going to be from from USDA with the, with the estimates and uh, the fund positioning is has become very difficult to try to figure out exactly what's going on we had a huge move in the market in the corn market to the upside in the during the period of the last commitment of traders report 
And there wasn't much movement in that fun position, Jim. Because they don't they let her run, let profits run. Because we have not, we don't, we have some missing blanks here on it. So I think you're going to have, you'll eventually have a blow off top and just don't know when. I would be remiss to say the World Food Price Foundation announces the winner of its World Food Price. What? That's uh, 250000 tomorrow. And uh, USDA Secretary Vilsack will be there. Secretary of State Blinken will be there. So that's going to happen tomorrow, Chip. And then this coming Saturday, happy birthday to USDA, was created on May the 15th, 1862, under a law signed by President Lincoln. Wow. Yeah. And the, the People's Department, right? The People's Department. That's an exact quote. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. One last thing that I want to hit on here is give us an update on what we should be watching around EPA, the RFS, the small refinery exemptions, because there was some movement on it last week. I tell you, Jim, Regan, uh, EPA Administrator Regan, along with the USDA Secretary Vilsack, were in Iowa last week, and Regan really left some strong impressions with the farm community. Yes, and you know that they realize that the biofuels uh, linkage to the rural sector, especially the corn and and soybean market, what with biodiesel, renewable uh, diesel, is so important. I'm not saying that's the only reason they've been more pro RFS, ethanol, biofuels than what some people would have thought. But it also is the impact of Vilsack in talking with uh, Regan. Not that Regan didn't know it on his own, but you've got a consistent trend here that this uh, group is pretty biofuel friendly, Chip. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it. We're going to have John Doggett, CEO of the NCGA, on the show this morning. Um, Looking forward to the conversation with John getting caught up on a lot of issues, but one of the things we will definitely be talking about is what is happening with the biofuels and the relationship with EPA. The trend is your friend on this one, and I, he's probably going to be quite happy, but always looking ahead of how the biofuel industry is working with lawmakers and officials in the administration relative to the climate change strategy and debate coming up. I think biofuels has a story to tell and implementation within that program. But, Chip, we're a really pretty significant time frame away from really knowing the details of how this climate change strategy is going to unfold. Because every time I look into it, much like the title of that book, Unsettled, there are so many open questions here. So it's not going to be decided this year in my judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And when we talk about details, we were so excited that the press release or the press conference was being held last week on the 30 by 30, which has now become America the Beautiful Plan. Does that make does, does it make it sound better to you to call it the America the Beautiful Plan, Jim? No, I really don't. I think the 30 by 30 was more, you know, prescriptive. And also, it's a lot like when I was a kid, and uh, at on Christmas Day, I got to an age where I no longer got toys, but clothes for presents. It was a lot like that. When they unwrapped this thing, it was clothes. It wasn't a gift that I wanted. So that's the first thing I thought of. Is that all there is here? We need details. We need details. We definitely need details. And until we get those details, there's going to be a high level of concern out in farm country about exactly how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen. 
uh, a lot of the questions started coming in about what about urban sprawl into rural America? Shouldn't we be do, doing something to slow all that down? So yeah. I'll tell you, Chip, one final thing. When I yeah. was in where Kansas City last week, I, I had the privilege, if we can use that word anymore, to hear Representative, Representative Fortenberry from Nebraska. You ought to get him on the program because he made so much sense. In fact, after he spoke, I spoke and I said, my judgment of Congress is have to go, is going to have to go up from 1% to 3% after listening to him. Wow. <laughs> but he did make a lot of sense. And you, it's the good old Midwest Nebraska judgment. And he was spot on a number of issues. All right. Good work, Wiesmeyer. We sure. appreciate you, buddy. We'll talk Anytime. to you next week on DC Signal to Noise. Thank you.